good morning, everybody. Glad you are here. Merry Christmas to you. As you can tell, we're working up to that, uh, the Christmas season. So hopefully you guys are in it with us and joining with us. Uh, but we're just glad that you're here. So I want to start by asking you uh, a question. And that question is, what brought you to Northridge? What brought you to Northridge? How did you end up here? How did you find out about Northridge in the very first place? Like before you ever came, what got you here? What brought you here? Now, there's a reason I ask that question because my guess is, and this is coming not just because I think this is true, but because I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of you, a lot of us about this. And I would guess that the vast majority of us in here came to Northridge because you either knew somebody that was already here at Northridge or somebody from Northridge invited you to come. Am I right? The vast majority of you came because you knew somebody here or somebody invited you here or more than likely a combination of both. Right? You may have seen a social media post. You may have seen a direct mailer. You may have seen an ad in the paper. Great. But you came because somebody else you knew came and you're like, you should come. There's a reason I bring that up, right? Tanya already mentioned this, and I want to put another plug in there because you have one of the easiest invites in the history of invites coming up for this Friday. It's called Jingle Jam, right? And it's just a fancy way to say we are throwing a huge Christmas party for the entire community, for this whole region, if you will. There's a reason why we put three cards on your chair. Some of you are annoyed that you had to pick all of them up. I get it. I told my son, my eight-year-old son, who's the one that put those there for you this morning, make sure they're piled together so they just have to use one hand right, to grab that thing. right? And he's like, Dad, my hands are tired. He did a good job. <laughs> right? There's a reason we put those on your chair. Here's what my hope is. My hope is when I leave, and I'm usually one of the last ones to leave, that I find no cards in this room. None. I hope they're all gone. Now, whether or not you use them to invite, because I don't know about you, but I don't usually hand people an invite anymore. I text them, or I talk to them, or I call them or I post on social media about whatever it is that I'm excited about, right? And so what our ask is, is very simple. This Christmas party, yes, it is for you because you're part of Northridge. But can I be honest? It is actually quite a bit more for anybody who's not a part of Northridge. You guys already know about Northridge. You already know how awesome and how much fun this is going to be. You've been there. You get it. How sweaty are the kids going to get? on Friday, in this room, jumping like crazy. It's going to be awesome, right? The question I have for you is, in fact, let me ask you this. By raising your hand, how many of you know one other human being on planet Earth other than yourself? Just raising your hand if you know another human being on planet Earth. Okay, most of you, were, we got almost 100%. Some of you are lying. That's cool. It's church. I don't know why you do that, but whatever. The question that I have for you is, can you invite them? Silly question. Yes, you can. Should you? Yeah, absolutely. This is easy. It's a Christmas party. We're literally there to have fun. That's it. It's a blessing to our community. There are some things that we simply do, very simply, for the only purpose of blessing our community. This is one of those things. Yes, it's a great first touch and first introduction to our church, 
but it's just to have fun. And we want to have a blast with the kids, the families in our community. And so invite people to that. When we post on social media this week, share it out, send it out, hit your neighborhood boards, all that stuff. All right. Uh, now, the second question that I want to have is I want to turn the corner. This kind of pertains to that. In fact, it's going to feel like it's antithesis to what I just said. And the next question I have for you is how many of you, and yes, I want to see hands. This is a participation, you know, kind of a Sunday. How many of you have people in your life who drive you crazy? Don't look at them. No, if they're in the room, do not. Uh, some of you have two hands up. You're like, yes, amen, preach it, brother. You are relating today. I have people who are hard to love in my life, right? The truth is, we all do, don't we? Well, we're in this series called Peace? Question mark? In the Christmas season, one of the things that we talk about and we hear about and we see in words all over the place at Christmas is peace. Christmas claims to offer peace. God claims that he offers peace you the experience of perfect and amazing peace. The problem is, I don't know about you, but it seems like there's a severe lack of it in our world today. That's what this series is all about. We're asking, how do we find peace? How do we experience God's perfect and amazing peace? And so today, we want to answer the question, how do we find peace when we're surrounded by people who drive us crazy? who get under our skin, who are hard to love. How do we do that? Well, uh, so today, this is one of those things where um, it's a difficult topic, as you would imagine. And I want to just kind of be honest right out of the gate. Today's message, the vast majority of the scripture and the vast majority of the main points come from a different pastor. His name is Craig Groeschel. If you've ever heard of Craig Groeschel, many of you have. He preaches at a church called Life Church. It's a mega church that's all over the world. And he preached a message on this. And I was trying to kind of like, you know, do this message and go through the topic, but I just couldn't get him out of my head. You understand what I'm saying? God was clear that I needed to use a lot of the stuff that he talked about because we needed to hear it today. So I'm just going to give credit where credit's due. A lot of the scripture and a lot of the main points come from Craig Rochelle. In fact, you're going to hear a lot of quotes. So if you don't like Craig Rochelle, I apologize now. Because you're going to get a lot of quotes from him today. So how do we love and how do we find peace when we're surrounded by people who are difficult to love? Well, as you would imagine, God has something to say about it. So I want to go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And I'm going to read what our kind of our main scripture is today. It has our main theme verse in here, verse 18, which is the very last one I'm going to read. But this whole passage is what we're going to focus on today. All right, so Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 18. It says this. It says, bless those who persecute you. This is going to be a fun one, isn't it? Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So what does it say that we need to do if we have people around us that are hard to love, that are difficult to love? What does it say that we need to do? Well, it starts out at the very beginning by simply saying, bless those who persecute you. Oh, that's so fun, isn't it? Do you think about the people that literally drive you nuts? They are so hard to love. Everything they say makes your skin just go... Ah. You know what I'm saying? If I said certain names, some of you would just crawl. I have some people like that in my life. I'm not going to say whether or not they're in the room right now. I have people in my heart, in my life that are hard to love. And it says, bless those who persecute you. Now, what does it mean by bless? Does it mean that we're supposed to pray with our hands out over the people that we don't like? Maybe, but not quite. Let me give you the original Greek word that we translate into the word bless. It comes from the word eulogio. The word eulogio, if you think about it, sounds like what other word that we know in the English language. Sounds like eulogy, doesn't it? When you think of a eulogy, you think of somebody speaking at a celebration of life or a funeral service or something like that. Did you know what eulogy literally translates to mean? Well, if you break the word apart, there's two parts to that word. There's E-U, you, eulogio, you, means good. It simply translates to mean good. The second part comes from the word logos, which means word, which means spoken word. So if you put the two together, you know what it means. Eulogio means good words. It means to speak good words over whoever or whatever. So when this scripture says, bless those who persecute you, find the people that you don't like, the people that drive you nuts, the people that offended you, that hurt you, that caused you pain, and speak good of them. Speak good to them. Wish good on them. How many of you are loving this message today? It's not easy, is it? And can I be honest? Here's the truth. I struggle with this. Personally. I don't mean I just struggle with it in you know, principle. I struggle with this. For example, I don't know if this is, if you, if you guys are like this in the room, I don't know, but I'm just telling you for me. When I see somebody fly by me on the highway going 15 miles per hour over the speed limit, I look at them doing my eight or nine over going, wow, they're so dangerous. That is so bad, even though I'm going over too. And then Let's be honest, there's a secret part of me that I don't usually talk about out loud, that when I'm traveling along a few miles down the road, when I see that same person got pulled over, I am secretly rejoicing. <laughs> gotcha. Got what you deserved. Slow down next time, jerk. Right? 
Anybody else in the same, same boat as me? Right? In fact, I'm going to tell you something, uh, a story, and uh, especially kids in the room, adults, you're going to know better. Kids, you may not. Don't do what I'm just about to tell you I did. Okay? I was, this was literally like 10 days ago. This was the middle of the week, bef just before Thanksgiving, so literally less than two weeks ago. So I, I sometimes tell you stories about my high school days and my college days where I messed up. Well, I messed up 10 days ago, okay? So just understand, I still struggle with this. That we were on our way down to Chicago. Our family's going to spend the day in Chicago. And we were driving along and the traffic was heavy. And so I move over to pass like 27 cars or whatever it was in the right lane, going way too slow, obviously. And I move over in the left lane to pass. And so I'm moving along. I'm on, I, I set my cruise, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not going too fast, but I'm, I'm going faster than they are. And so I'm kind of just putzing along. Well, as I move over, I see in my rearview mirror right? Uh, an unmarked work van of some kind. We're in between us and Chicago somewhere, maybe an hour into the road. And, and, and he comes just flying around cars. You know those kind of people? They're like, and they're cutting people off. And he ends up behind me. And he speeds up and he's about from me to my stand from my bumper. How many, how many of you just love that, by the way? When somebody tailgates you, you're just like, man, warm fuzzies, bless those who persecute me. Well, I don't. I was ticked. My blood started to rise. I started to get angry, but I gave him some time to do the right thing and back off my hind end. Right? I gave him some time, but he didn't. And so therefore, I did what any normal human being does. I used the passive-aggressive signal tap the brakes. Back off. It's passive aggressive for, seriously, I'm getting angry. Let's be honest for what it is. The brakes, yes, they tell you something, but that, in that way, when it's like that, tap, 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 that is, I am about to get out of this vehicle, right? I don't care if it's on the interstate, right? Well, he didn't listen. He stayed right there, just pushing. And so I did what the only normal thing for a human being is to do. I changed my cruise to slower to match the speed of the car next to me. And I stayed there. And I loved it. While my wife was tripping in my ear, Brent, this is dangerous. Stop doing that. She was right. I was wrong. I say that to say that I struggle with blessing those who persecute me. If I can't handle a person that's up on my bumper, how am I going to deal with people who truly offend me? I struggle with this. I do. It's hard to bless somebody who I don't like. Especially in the moment. And by the way, this whole bless somebody thing, it's not a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, there's this moment, I, I said a blessing over them, and check, I'm done. The rest of the time, I can throw them under the bus. Right? It's not a one-and-done thing. In fact, the original Greek suggests, when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he suggests with the way that he wrote it, that this is something that has to continually be happening. It has to happen consistently. You can't just one and done, and then we're done. 
It has to happen over and over and over again. In fact, I love what Craig Groeschel says. I told you you're going to get a lot of quotes from him. Listen to what he says. He says, it says that we need to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. What that verse means is that we are supposed to be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem in our life. That's not easy. But it's the standard that God sets for us. In fact, let me give you a couple of other verses that kind of tell us this. Um, how do we do this? Because I don't know about you. I just admitted that I have a hard time with this. I don't do this well. And so the question becomes, how can you do this? How can you literally bless the people who are hard to love, who hurt you, who offended you? How can you bless them? And the answer is, you can't. You can't. Not in your own power. Not using your own will, you can't. You're going to do what I did. You're going to slow that that cruise control down and you're going to stick it to the man. Or if it's a woman driving too. Doesn't matter, right? Because that's, that's what made me feel good. I was controlling that person because he offended me by being in on my bumper. Right? I wanted to hurt him. I didn't want to help him. I did, certainly didn't want to bless him. So how do we do this? We have to actually die, die to ourself and replace our will, our emotions, and our actions with Jesus. In fact, it says this at the very beginning of the same chapter that I just read out of, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So this is kind of the context for the whole thing. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that means followers of Christ, so this applies to anybody who claims Jesus. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, not we take our own life, but a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In fact, let me take it one step further. Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul says, my old self... My previous life, the way that I used to do things, my old self has been crucified. It's been killed. It's been executed with Christ on the cross. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer my way. It's no longer how I need to operate. It's no longer how I want to treat people who persecute me, who offend me, who drive me crazy. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, I live in this life by trusting in the Son of God, that's Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see that Jesus started by showing us what to do? He gave his life for you. He sacrificed his life for you. And now what God asks is he, God asks for you to set aside your way of life for his. God simply asks you to do what he did. The good thing is we don't have to die on the cross. Jesus already did that. He took care of the sin problem. He just asks us to be a living sacrifice, which means our life tuned in to who God is. We die to ourselves and we replace our power with Christ. 
Now, you might say, all well and good to die to myself and replace that with Christ, with Jesus, but how in the world do you die to yourself? How do you do that? Because I don't know about you, but a lot of us in here, we don't want to do that. We like us. We like who we are. And we have a plan. And we have a, we have a way that we want to go. And let me just tell you, by the way, this is not, we're not quite there on this part of the series yet. But we're going to get there when God changes plans and how to have peace in the midst of that. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. No, I'm not going to tell you when that one's going to hit. But it's coming. How do we do this? How do we die to ourselves? Well, the only way is to go back to the middle of that passage that I read. Remember what it said in verse 16. I'm not actually going to put it back up there. I just want you to hear what it said. It said, do not be proud. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Do you remember those two words? Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. You cannot be proud. You cannot be conceited. You get it? You know what the original language means? Do not be proud and do not be conceited. <clears throat> you literally cannot bless those who persecute you unless you set your pride aside. It's not possible. In fact, it tells us this in Ephesians 4.2. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We're supposed to make allowance for other people's mess-ups. Now, I want to be really clear because this is really important. I talk to people about this kind of stuff all the time. This does not mean be a doormat. Some Christians, some followers of Jesus, they actually take this to mean that they need to allow people to walk all over them and offend them and do things that hurt them, and that's okay. This is not saying that when somebody hurts you, it's okay. That's not what it's saying at all. So please don't take it to mean that because that's not what it means. But what it does mean is that we need to honestly view ourselves and honestly view other people. We need to honestly take a truthful look at who they are and who we are and realize that every person messes up. We all make mistakes. In fact, second quote by Craig Rochelle. Are you ready? I love how he puts this. This is one of those things that'll sting a bit, not as bad as the third one that I'm about to share, but this one stings. Listen to what he says, and it's so true. You're not going to want to believe it, but it's true. He says, we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but judge others by their actions. Think about it. I would say that the, the majority of the arguments that I've ever been in I generally am speaking out of judging myself by what I intended, not what I actually did. But then I judge the other person by what they did or what they said. I do that all the time. We don't want to believe this is true, but it is. And what causes that? Pride. Pride causes that. 
You know, I've heard this. Um, I don't know if you've heard this, but I've heard this recently. Somebody said recently that we are living in an age, in a season of this world, or maybe this country, I don't know, maybe it's the whole world, but we are living in the age of perpetual offense. We are perpetually offending and being offended. Literally, I don't know if you've noticed, everything is offensive. Everything. You can say this and you're going to offend this person, but if you say this, you'll offend this person. Therefore, you can't say anything. Therefore, we can't do a single thing. We have to be bumps on the log because we'll either be offensive or we'll be, or we'll be offended. The age of perpetual offense. Does anybody else feel like, you don't have to raise your hand, but does anybody else feel like it's hard to know what to say, what to do, how to act, do the, because you might offend somebody. Here's the crux of today. This quote that I'm about to give you, if you catch nothing else, I hope that this sinks deep into your soul and changes how you live. Another quote, but it's one of the most truthful, honest things that I've ever heard and one of the things that I think we so desperately need to hear, especially in this season. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Let me say it again. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is up to you. It actually has nothing to do with the other person. Do you hear me? It doesn't. Some of you don't believe me. It doesn't. Because they're not controlling what you feel offensed about. That's up to you. That was your choice to be offended by that. Being offended is inevitable. It will happen. You will be offended. Absolutely. Some of you got offended today because I'm talking about being offensive. How much fun is this? We can do this all day long. Run around the same bush. Being offended is inevitable. It's going to happen. It does happen. It will happen. It does happen. But living offended is your choice. And by the way, we know that living offended and being offended is not a good way to go. I, here's a, can, can, let me just say this. I have never heard, maybe you guys have, I have never heard somebody come to me and say, Brent, you know, I've decided that I'm going to do as much as I can to offend other people and be offended the rest of my life. And you know, since I've done that, I am more productive. I'm more at peace. I get more done. My relationships are just thriving. I've never had anybody come to me and say that. You know why? Because you can't. It makes no sense. Yet we live that way. We live offended all the time. So let me take you back to our theme verse. Romans 12, 18. It says simply, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, 
Live at peace with everyone. Did you notice what it says in the middle of that verse? It's right there in front of you so you can see it. Do you see what it says? It says, as far as it depends on you. That should tell you two things. Two things, not one, two things. First of all, it should tell you, and this is the part that you're going to love, right? This is the one that we stake everything on. It should tell you that you can't control everyone around you. You can't. We try, but we can't. We cannot control those around us. So those people that drive you crazy, those people who have hurt you, those people who have offended you, if you want to try to control them, you can do that all day long, but you're not going to be able to do it. As far as it depends on you, right? It means some things you can't control. But what you can, it also tells you the second side, the other side of that coin is this. As far as it depends on you, you know what depends on you? Your response to that person. How you feel about that person. What you do for that person. What you do to that person. That depends on you. Don't put it on them when it was you that left offended. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. And it's your choice. Let me give you one last thought, illustration. And as you would imagine, it comes from Craig Rochelle. <laughs> Not surprising, right? But he tells a very um, important story in his own life. In fact, Craig Rochelle, when he tells this story, he explains that this is his number one regret in life. It's pretty strong. His number one regret in all of his life is this story that I'm about to tell. So Craig Rochelle had a friend named Jay who was a pastor. And he and Jay, they, they loved each other as, you know, as, as brothers, as friends, and, uh, and they were both pastors. And so they had this very close friendship. And in one season of life, Jay, Craig's friend Jay, made some really, really poor life decisions. Now, Craig didn't go into the detail onto what those were, but he made some poor life decisions. And so Craig, being a good friend, decided he needed to go to his friend Jay and confront him, call him out for these poor decisions that he had made. And so Craig did that. He went to his friend Jay and called him out on, these, on the poor decisions that he made. And his friend Jay, as you would imagine, did not respond in the best way. He didn't like that Craig confronted him on this. And so Craig, his response to Jay's bad response was even worse than Jay's response, if that makes sense. In other words, the conversation degraded to the point where Jay and Craig parted ways and began not to talk to each other at all. Even though they were in deep friendship together, like they loved each other truly. They parted ways and they stopped talking to each other for a season of time. A short season of time, but for a season of time. And Craig Rochelle says, in the midst of that season, when he and Jay were not talking, Craig had to write a sermon. And, and Craig remembers this sermon. He says, the sermon was titled, How to Love Someone You Don't Like. 
Oh, man. By the way, just as a side note, as a pastor, God does that a lot. Things that I'm struggling with, he's like, you know, it'd be good for us to preach on this. Thank you, Lord. That's great. Sometimes what I'm preaching on is stuff that I'm dealing with. That's the, that's the truth. And so Craig Rochelle, he had to preach this message, loving people you don't like. And he knew in the message that his example was his friend Jay. And so he preached the message. And on the way home, he was in the car with his wife, Amy, I think is her name. And they're on the way home. And Craig said to Amy, he said, I have to call Jay because it's just, this is silly. It's dumb that we're not talking about this. We need to smooth things over. We, we love each other. We're truly friends. And, and we, just need to, we just need to start talking about this and, and get, you know, we need to take care of this. Now, this is the day before cell phones. So he didn't have a cell phone, so he couldn't call him right there. And so they had to wait until they got home where they actually had a phone, you know, those things that used to be connected to the wall. I know some of you, some of the younger ones in the room, your mind just went, it just blew up. Yes, phones used to have to be connected to the wall, and they had this little curly thing, and you stretch it, and then that thing would let go, and man, that phone could fly. Some of you experienced that, didn't you? Some of you hit somebody in the head with those things. So Craig and Amy, they get home, and Craig knows the first thing he needs to do when he walks in the door, he's, he's got to call his friend Jay. And so he walks up to the phone, and he realizes there's a voicemail message, and he plays the voicemail message, and it's from Jay's wife, who said, I found Jay today and he took his own life. And Craig said, it just destroyed him. His number one regret in life. Here's the thing. Craig Groeschel was right in terms of the argument, in terms of the conflict. He was the one in the right. Jay was in the wrong. But can I tell you something that we need to hear? Just because you're right doesn't mean you're loving, therefore you could be wrong. You could be right in terms of the argument, in terms of the theology, in terms of the principle. You could be right, but if you're not loving, let me just tell you, according to God, you're wrong. And Craig Rochelle learned that lesson in a very difficult way. In fact, let me just say this. Your life is too short and God's purpose is way too important for you. Every one of you. This applies to every single person in here. Your life is too short and God's purpose is way too important for you to live offended. There's no time. There's no reason. And it is your choice. Being offended is inevitable. Living offended is your choice. The question I want to leave you with today is which way will you choose? Which direction will you go?
Do you want peace? Or do you want to be right? Which direction will you go? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I recognize, Lord, that these are difficult words. We didn't get into it even as deep as we possibly could have today, but Lord, I recognize that there are people in this room who have had people hurt them in horrible ways in ways that they were maybe abused or harsh words were said or maybe lies were told about them, things that were not true. Or maybe they were things that were true, but they were things that were secret, they were private, and they were shared in confidence. And then somebody went and took them out and shared them with everybody else, betraying trust. God, there are people in the room I know because human beings, we have been hurt. People are hurtful. They're offensive. They get under our skin. They're difficult to love. And so God, help us to die to ourselves, to the things that we want to do to those people that are not good, that is repaying evil for evil. And instead, help us to bless those who persecute us. Help us to speak well of them. Help us to speak the name of Jesus over them. Even though we don't want to, help us to set ourselves aside, die to ourselves, and replace ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, Jesus. Why do we need to do that, God? Why? I believe it's because you did it for us. And you want us to live in peace, in peace. And we have a lot of people maybe sitting here even today that have no peace. And it's because they have somebody or several people who have hurt them and they have not released the offended part of what they're holding on to because they feel like it's going to give them a pass to say it was okay. It's not going to say it's okay. It's releasing themselves from the hurt and the pain and, and, the, and the, the hurt and the hate that comes from being offended. God, help us to live in peace. Help us to speak good, to speak good words, to speak hope over people who don't deserve it in our lives. People who are hard to love, speak Jesus over. We should want to speak Jesus over those who we love desperately and dearly. But help us to speak Jesus over those who we don't like or are difficult to love. And as a result, God, I just want to ask for every person in this space, every person listening online, would you just give us your peace? Give us your peace. Give us your peace. I pray this, I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I invite you.